It's just not possible to gain that much in value that quickly with declining revenue. And that's when I really had the epiphany that investing was not about stocks and bonds. Investing is about innovation. The belief is if there's a new piece of information, that it will be instantly incorporated into the price of the stock or the bond or whatever. But that's not how people change their minds. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Ed Gotham, and welcome to another episode of Opto Sessions, where we interview the top investors from around the world, uncovering their secrets to success. This week, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Carolyn Weinberg, Global Head of Product, ETF and Index Investments at BlackRock, the world's largest ETF provider. Carolyn oversees the commercialization and development of innovative products globally. At BlackRock, Carolyn's team builds new product lines, forges strategic partnerships and creates research in support of iShares growth priorities, such as fixed income and sustainability. Before joining BlackRock in 2018, Carolyn created structured derivative solutions for corporations at Citibank, where she was the head of the North America Corporate Solutions Group. Carolyn graduated magna cum laude from Harvard College in Applied Mathematics and earned an MBA from Harvard Business School. Carolyn has also been awarded a position on Barron's list of 100 most influential women in US finance three times, which is an exceptional achievement. In this interview, we discuss the expansive range of ETFs at BlackRock going into detail on some of their most innovative products to date, including floating rate and interest rate hedged fixed income ETFs. We'll discuss how to use these in your portfolio, including why now is a very interesting time for bonds. Enjoy. Hi, Carolyn. Great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. How are you doing? Very good. Very good. Thank you. Uh, It's a rainy day in England, has, has done for the last few days now. Finally getting a bit colder. It's been pretty hot. For October, going into November, I don't know how it is where you are. Where are you calling from today? I'm in New York, and it's actually a beautiful day. Blue sky and fabulous. So fabulous fall day in New York. Wow, that's great. Um, you should be over here. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You uh, you tend to get quite seasonal weather there. Is that right? When it gets to winter, it gets pretty cold. Yeah, pretty cold. I have a variety of very warm jackets and hoods and uh, yeah, hats. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, it's cold, but now it's actually lovely. Fall is lovely here. I mean, that sounds like a dream at the moment. I haven't been out of the office really today, uh, but there's no use in going out because it's not a very nice day. Brilliant. Well, as I said, it's really good to have you on the show. I thought we could start just by, it, well, if you could take us through your role at BlackRock and uh, range of products you offer, because uh, it's you know a very large range, and many people may, may not have, uh, be aware of what categories etc that you have available. Absolutely. So let me just start and talk about the role I have at BlackRock. I oversee the development and commercialization of our index products globally, which includes iShares ETFs, index mutual funds, and also separate accounts. And globally, we manage over $5 trillion in assets across these products. And we have clients all over the world, products across asset classes, so equities, fixed income, commodities. And we have about 1,300 ETFs. And these ETFs are across Asia Pacific, Europe, North America, and South America. So by that, I mean we have product lines in Singapore, in Hong Kong, in Australia, in the US, Ireland, etc. Uh, as part of this, I lead a global team of around 160 people. 
that are mostly responsible for commercializing our existing products, building new products, creating strategic partnerships, and doing research to support the priorities like fixed income, which I think we'll spend some time talking about today. Brilliant. And um, and I suppose that segues into, obviously, so your role was focused on, uh, an element of the role was focused on product innovation. Uh, how, how does that work at BlackRock? What's the sort of process you, you take uh, to go, go through and introduce new innovative products, including maybe some examples of some recent products you've released? Absolutely. So what's really fun and important about our ETF and index business is that our motto is that we're champions of investor progress. And that means that product innovation is very much at the heart or center of everything we do. And we think about ourselves as opening new markets, creating new product categories, all to answer the question and help our clients build better portfolios. So we often start with this question of how can we help our clients build better portfolios? And therefore, how do we innovate to provide our clients the building blocks and tools they need for different market environments? But I think of product innovation in three basic categories from an ETF perspective. So first, it's around extending or completing existing suites by adding new cuts or exposures. Secondly, I think about developing new product categories. And third, I think about structural innovation. So unlocking access to new markets, as an example. So I can walk through some examples if that's helpful. But um, Yeah, I think that would be really good. Yeah, is that helpful? Yeah. Okay, great. Let me do it in the fixed income space, um, which, by the way, I think the fixed income ETF segment itself is an amazing technology and innovation because it takes portfolios of bonds that trade over the counter and turns them into a single ticker that trades on an exchange. The concept of the fixed income ETF, which is about 20 years old, and iShares launched the first ETF and fixed income ETF in 2002 when we celebrated the 20th anniversary of the New York Stock Exchange only uh, a few weeks ago. But within fixed income, which again, we're constantly innovating and itself is an innovation, let me just go through three examples and across these different buckets. So from a completing a suite perspective, um, let me talk about treasuries. So when we think about the U.S. Treasury market or our ETFs within U.S. Treasuries, people often think about Treasury bills, they think about Treasury notes, and obviously the long bonds or you know, long-dated bonds. But there's also the concept of a floating rate U.S. Treasury instrument. And actually, if I go back to 2014, we had a view that at some point rates would rise and having a floating rate Treasury product in our suite would be important. And with rates were low for so long, though, in fairness, not that many people were excited about our floating rate treasury products. However, uh, this year, they actually are very important and really critical to the portfolio. And we're really glad we've had it in the suite. And we've had over $3 billion of inflows this year just in this product. But if you think about it from a suite extension perspective, having a floating rate treasury made a lot of sense. But sometimes it takes time and we built it for the future. The second bucket would be new categories. And I'm really excited about some products we launched this year. Um, we call them our buy right strategy products. And these are the first to market category, which offers two sources of income. One is just the bond ETFs have a yield themselves, so bond yields. And then secondly, in the buy right category, we actually sell calls against it. So there's an option premium associated. So essentially, what we're able to do in a single a single bond ETF ticker is have bond yields and an option premium. So that's really exciting as a new category. Again, they're the buy right strategies, and we have three of them. 
And then the third bucket, which is structural innovation access. In Europe, we launched both US dollar-denominated and euro-denominated broad high-yield ETFs. And what's exciting is that we were able to provide for clients 1,000 or 2,000 bonds in the index in a single ETF. So again, access for different currencies with a broad high yield uh, to build better portfolios. And maybe just one more point is that if I put it in perspective, the magnitude of innovation we do, since 2018, we've launched uh, about 526 products, which is obviously a tremendous number of products. Um, yeah, that is, that is really impressive. Do you have the largest range of ETFs globally then as a company? Absolutely. Yeah. So I just want to pick up on two points there you mentioned just to dig into further detail, just so people fully understand um, how these sort of work. So the first one you talked about, the floating rate uh, ETF. Can you, can you just go into more details on how the floating rate works, the mechanics of it? Sure. So a floating rate instrument is an instrument that resets on a regular basis. So for example, the treasury floating rate market is a market that is U.S. treasury or U.S. government-backed issues. But instead of having a fixed coupon, the coupon resets on a regular basis. And in this ETF are those U.S. treasury products that have a resetting rate. So as rates go up, the coupon goes up, which is what's been really important for this type of market as the Fed has increased interest rates. And therefore, investors have been able to capture that increased rate with therefore the increased coupon as it resets with the higher rate. Okay. So, and the rates, that's relevant to the yield, is it? Absolutely. So the coupons get reset, therefore the yield gets reset to higher and higher. Uh, so the exposure from a risk perspective is quite short. So lower risk than other treasury or bond products because the coupon gets reset. So it's a short duration. And as rates go up, you get a higher and higher yield or coupon or dividend, if you will, from an ETF perspective. Mm-hmm. And so in what environments is that sort of product most beneficial? Is it like the environment we're in now is, has obviously been favorable and I mean, potentially, you know, interest rates are planned to go even higher. So I'm assuming that this is a good time for these sort of assets. Yeah, this is a great time for these types of assets. And, you know, we thought again, when we launched this in 2014, that at some point rates would go higher and it did take a while, but this is the actual perfect environment because as rates are uh, increasing as expected or faster than expected, depending upon your expectation, having a coupon or having an instrument that resets as this happens on a regular basis is so important to the portfolio. It also is really helpful to balance out the risk of a portfolio from a duration perspective. So if you have some longer or medium-term bonds or bond ETFs in your portfolio, adding a floating rate treasury to that gives you uh, a bit of a balance to your exposure from a rate hiking environment perspective. Okay. So you'd anticipate people maybe holding uh, this floating rate bond ETF and potentially actual bonds with fixed yields? Sure. So what people typically do is they'll hold a bond ETF that has medium duration and some bond ETFs that have longer duration. But in addition, they'll hold shorter duration ETFs as well, including this one. So you can figure out what duration of the portfolio you want to have from a fixed income perspective. 
by having different types of bond ETFs with different durations in that portfolio. So the addition of a floating rate instrument gives you that lower duration. And with the yields as high as they are in the short end, you're actually able to capture a decent yield, but with less risk. And it's a balance to the portfolio so that if rates go up faster, uh, you can actually benefit from that, but that your mark-to-market of the bonds in the longer duration ETFs goes down, you're not as exposed in total. And so um, are there two forms? Is is there a regular income from the ETF as well as the potential increase in the price? Is that is that right? Exactly. That's exactly right. So all just like any bond one may have, you get you have two elements to it, the price of the bond and the yield of the bond or the coupon of the bond, depending upon how to think about it. And as you know, you get the coupon, uh, that's obviously the income, and the price of bonds go up and down depending upon how you value the bonds with the interest rate environment. Now a bond ETF takes a whole portfolio of bonds. So the example I gave of the high yield bond ETFs that we launched earlier, you could have a thousand or two thousand or more, depending upon which GF bonds in an existing, you know, in one ETF, which is a remarkable technology on itself, which is what I was mentioning. So you have diversification of holding thousands of bonds, which have coupons and yield associated with them. And that therefore when you hold that ETF, you're getting a dividend, which is very much the collection of the income. And then in addition, as yields go up and down, the price of those bonds changes. And there is going to be a mark-to-market on that, just like it would if you held the bonds themselves. So there's two elements. Now, we also have products that have a final maturity to them in case people are looking for, and we call those I-bonds, but in case people are looking for a final maturity with the principal returned at that point. But the bond ETF can do one of the two. And typically people are buying not for the final maturity, but for actually uh, the comparable of having a whole bond fund. So the enablement to have thousands of bonds in a single ticker. Mm-hmm. And typically, how often are the coupons distributed? So um, it depends, but it could be monthly or quarterly. Okay. And um, just taking the floating rate uh, ETF example, what sort of Duration are people typically holding these for? Oh, so you know, how long are they holding the ETFs for? Yeah, like as a strategy, is it meant for a long-term holding, or you know? Yeah, so it depends. I would say um, a very large percentage of our clients use bond ETFs to build a whole portfolio, and in addition, they'll use bond ETFs as in addition to their core. So they'll hold a whole bunch for the long run, and then they'll buy and sell different exposures or cuts around the edges, if you will, to increase the duration or reduce the duration from a risk perspective or add investment grade or high yield or some type of exposure or cut that they're looking for. Or in addition, they may think about inflation risk or other uh, rate risk that they're trying to, again, tilt their portfolio to. So in addition to the typical buy and hold ETFs that are part of the core portfolio, I would say. A lot of our clients do tactical allocations or tilts um, by buying and selling different ETFs from a more satellite perspective. Okay. And just coming back to a point 
you made earlier. You talked about uh, one of the ETFs used an option premium. Mm-hmm. I was just wondering if you could go into detail about um, why it does that and how that can benefit people. Absolutely. So I think this is one of the coolest innovations this year. And I'll explain it simply and then we can go into more detail if you'd like. But essentially what you can do in a single ticker right now is you can hold a bond ETF that also sells an option on that bond ETF so that you are capturing uh, the volatility of the underlying market through selling of the call, but you're not taking market risk associated with that because you actually have the security itself in the portfolio. So you don't have upside because you've sold that, but you've made a lot of money from a premium perspective and you're monetizing through that sale the volatility of the market, which again provides this amazing premium, especially in a market like this where there's a lot of volatility. So in a more technical way to think about it, you're able to, as an investor, any kind of investor, an individual or institution, capitalize on volatility that's traded you know, in the fixed income market, which is a term structure market, right? because there's 10-year duration or five-year duration, but it is a single equity. So you're turning bond volatility essentially into equity volatility, and you're able to monetize that by buying the ETF that has both the ETF and the call sold on top. So that premium is really valuable and there's really no other way that one can package that together in a simple form. So this is the first time anyone's ever done this. Wow. And is that product more applicable to a more sophisticated audience, would you say? I would say it is more applicable to someone who's looking for income, yep. who is also understanding that they are making money by selling the market appreciation of the portfolio of bonds that they're holding in exchange for that premium. So I think that you have to be understanding of that, which is, one could say that's sophisticated, or it could be someone who understands how price and yield interact from a bond perspective. Yep. Very interesting. And then coming back to just some top level benefits of bond fixed income ETFs, uh, could you run us through a few reasons why people might, uh, might consider these? Um, absolutely. So we we talked a bit already about the concept of diversification. So the idea that you could buy, and in some cases, tens of thousands of bonds in a single ticker is remarkable and amazing because no individual can easily do that. And in fairness, many institutions can't easily do that. So the first of diversification is remarkable and important and amazing. And that's how people use ETFs in large part. In addition, People use ETFs for transparency, so they actually can see exactly what the liquidity is, what the price is for their portfolio bonds, and the ability to actually uh, monitor intraday or at the end of the day what the price is and the composition of that ETF. Uh, Another would be access. So as I mentioned, you know, the structural innovation, a lot of Clients are excited to use ETFs to access markets that are harder to access, either because the uh, ability to buy or sell from their own brokerage is is very challenging 
to get international bonds or certain types of cuts of bonds is just hard to do actually. So the access in a single click essentially is amazing and remarkable. Um, and then I would say lastly, the efficiency where you can actually trade thousands of bonds simply on an exchange, just like you would buy any equity like Apple uh, is pretty amazing. So it's very efficient yeah. and quick to access. We often talk also about liquidity, which is associated with all of these. And what's amazing and important, particularly for large institutions, less so for, in, for wealth uh, or individuals, but that if a large institution wants to quickly invest in high yield, investment grade, long dated treasuries, whatever it might be, or emerging markets, they can do so really quickly in size using an ETF. And let me just give you a very simple anecdote here, if that's helpful. Some of the ETFs, the fixed income ETFs that are iShares ETFs, are among the top traded equity securities on the New York Stock Exchange, let's say, which is remarkable. So whereas an individual bond may trade a few times in a day or a few times in a week, that ETF may trade 100,000 times in the day. Yeah. So when we talk about the actual transparency of the price and the efficiency, it's remarkable. That's really impressive. Now, talking about innovation, I believe you've also started to incorporate some, some more sort of active management strategies with some of these funds. Uh, so I thought it'd be a great place to sort of discuss that. Oh, absolutely. So I think there's two parts to active management. First is that there is a really interesting trend of putting actively managed strategies in an ETF. And we are doing that. We're excited about it. And that enables investors, whether or not they're individual investors or institutional investors, to buy uh, or to have access to remarkable portfolio managers from an active perspective. Again, in the amazing format of the ETF, which again, we think is a structural vehicle that's fabulous. So one could now access actively managed bond portfolios in an ETF. And that's again, to build better portfolios. And then all of the efficiencies that we just talked through from a why an ETF perspective. But what's also really cool and interesting is that active managers are actively using fixed income ETFs to generate alpha in their own portfolios. And I think that story is critical and important. In addition to putting the active managers in the ETF, active managers are using ETFs to generate alpha. Can you take us through some of the decisions they may make you know, when actively changing the uh, constituents of, of some of these ETFs and why? Absolutely. Well, what's really fun is that it, I would say it used to be a debate of active versus index. And the crisis of you know, COVID of 2020 changed that significantly because when the market from a liquidity and a pricing really dislocated, ETF liquidity soared. And what happened was active managers who had ETFs in their portfolio were able to sell or quickly buy into a market that was dislocated or get out of a dislocated market if they needed to very efficiently and quickly. And they made a lot of alpha on that. And others who had never used ETFs came into the ETF market because there was so much on-exchange liquidity that they were able to quickly buy or sell 
or buy, actually, then, then later at some point, some point sell, access, they would be able to buy the high yield market or the emerging market or even a short dated, uh, short dated paper through the ETF. So by tactically and in size, quickly buying a market through the ETF, they were able to make returns in alpha in their portfolio. Another thing that's important is that the transaction costs of the ETF are really small. So from a transaction cost perspective, they call it transactional alpha often, the portfolio managers. So not only are they able to make their tactical uh, alpha, if you will, from saying, I want high yield or I want investment grade and I want it in big size fast, but also they're able to trade it really tight spreads relative to the underlying bond markets in many cases, because it's trading on an equity exchange that trades extremely tight. Um, Is there also like a a percentage fee on that product as well? All of the ETFs have some type of percentage fee associated with a TER, but in fairness, they're all quite small on a relative basis. And coming back to just um, the ETF categories you offer, what, what are the broad sort of categories so you've got fixed income ETFs. You, you have thematic ETFs as well, I believe. Yeah, we have, I would say general, I'll be broad. So we have equities, fixed income, and commodities. Within equities, we look at the world uh, in various ways. Thematics, as you mentioned, we also have country funds. We have sector funds. We have industry funds. We have sustainable funds, which could be, frankly, across any of those. We call it the core range, which are really inexpensive products that enable a client to build a whole portfolio at a very inexpensive price. And maybe actually I can just give a really quick example. Of course. But um, for that, I would say if you took three products, one bond product, one international equity product, and one US stock product, three ETFs, and you put them together you can actually access 18,000 stocks and bonds for 13 basis points. So $1.30 for $1,000 invested, wow. all with three iShares ETFs, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, uh, And that's part of our core range. Wow. I mean, that's brilliant. It's, a, it's incredible how these have just transformed the industry over the last 20 years. And I thought we could segue into, given the current macro climate, what, what, ETFs or just maybe the categories you feel offer an interesting opportunity for investors at the moment? We've already talked about fixed income, so that's obviously one to start with. Yeah, so fixed income is one of my favorites. I have many favorite uh, segments since I'm in charge of all products, but I think it's one of my favorite ones, clearly. Um, And at the moment, 90% of fixed income out there is like trade has a yield over uh, 4%, which is pretty ridiculous. So I would say you can now generate real yield uh, or high, you know, h- higher yield than before with a portfolio with a lot more bonds. So that's important. I think our thematics line is really important right now, as well as so you can invest in different themes, including water or including clean energy. These types of themes are really important: um, agriculture, food, and etc. So the, I think that adding this to the portfolio is really important and really interesting. I think you've had some, you've you've had a podcast with. Jay Jacobs on our team, who's terrific. So, you know, a lot of the work there is is important uh, and important for a portfolio. I would also say that more and more people are dissecting the all-world country index. So instead of buying all the countries, there is a bit more focus on 
actually segmenting a bit more where clients want to invest from a country perspective or separately from a sector or industry perspective. So we're seeing a little bit more discerning uh, within an index of which sectors or industries or countries one is looking to invest in. So that's another area to look at in this market because while it's important to have the whole index, it's also important to emphasize through tilts or incremental investment, you know, different segments, if you will. Yes. Yeah. And how do you different investors take advantage of your sort of range of products? So there are multiple ways. Sometimes clients will buy from an entire portfolio. So they'll work with their advisors and they'll buy a portfolio of ETFs. And that's one way to do it. Another is to look at the full portfolio and blend active index and then single securities into a whole portfolio. Uh, And another way is frankly to just buy the model. We hope you're enjoying the episode. For interviews like this every Thursday, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, make sure you give us a star rating and leave guest suggestions along with any other feedback in the review section. Now, back to the show. And uh, I wrote something down here because I thought it'd be interesting to discuss how is BlackRock contributing to the uh, democratization of of financial markets? So first, more and more firms and more and more clients are using ETF as the vehicle of choice for all kinds of investments, as we just talked about. And we are leading the industry in terms of diversification, innovation, and liquidity. And hopefully some of my statistics from earlier demonstrate all of that. And we have a large ambition in this space, which is to provide access, choice, and quality across all of our product segments for all client types. And we aspire in this to offer the broadest and most complete and innovative product set for all investors in all kinds of market environments, including the one we're in today with tremendous volatility and higher yields. So what does that mean? Um, you know, for us, that means that we're democratizing and making the markets more accessible than ever before to millions and millions of people. And from a perspective of fees, which you touched on earlier, our asset-weighted fees are lower than the industry average across the full range of our products, including it, as we've talked about, like core equity, fixed income, sustainable. Well, I never mentioned factors. Factors is another area that we should talk about if, um, if you'd like, and thematics. And then a, a few more facts on the democratization, if you will. Since 2015, we've saved investors $553 million as a result of fee cuts to help them save that money, which we believe really contributes to democratization of financial markets. And again, I gave you that example of for a dollar thirty for every thousand dollars, you can have eighteen thousand securities and three tickers, which is pretty remarkable. And today, when we look at how many investors we have. We've helped over 120 million investors build better portfolios. And our aspiration is to help millions and millions more experience financial well-being, which is part of our mission as BlackRock. Yeah, the, the reducing uh, the fees thing is, is incredibly important to people actually achieving good long-term percentage returns. But I think often that people don't understand how much even a small, you know, a higher rate of something like 2% can really impact your future returns, basically. 
and reducing it down to the low levels that you see through ETFs is just amazing for everyone who's interested in, in the financial markets. Absolutely. So for example, on that front, we have an inflation product in the US that we only charge three basis points for. Wow. That's brilliant. I mean, it's, it's, there's so many ETFs. I don't know where to start a <laughs> flat crock. <laughs> it's, um, do you, you have a tool online, don't you? I believe that helps people go through that process of finding. Yeah. Well, iShares.com is actually fabulous and it does walk through all of the different pieces. Um, we do have 13 hundred products, but we do try to do it by region. So if you're in the US, you'll have the US site and so forth. And it should be limited to those products. But there are tools on iShares.com that enable you to compare all sorts of features across one ETF to the other. Uh, It actually also has sustainability characteristics in the compare tool, which are interesting for those who are interested. Uh, And it also walks through all the elements of the products, including the composition of the ETF itself. Yeah, I definitely recommend people take a look at that. And you mentioned factor-based ETFs. I don't know if we could just quickly go over some of those. Absolutely. I would say in this market, the factor of low vol or min vol, depending upon who you are, you say it slightly differently. That is a particularly interesting kind of product in this market because it tries to incorporate the lowest volatility equities in the portfolio and therefore tends to be a good hedge in this market for having market exposure, but also with less volatility, especially in a high volatility market. So we found there's been a lot of interest in that type of product. When there was a reopening, we found that value uh, as a factor was a really important one. And again, depending upon the market environment, you can use factors to tilt to your portfolio appropriately to capture the upside of that factor that one believes is going to be most relevant and important in the upcoming months or years. I thought we could um, wrap it up by just uh, talking about the admirable achievement of being the woman that's been in Barron's list of 100 most influential women in US finance three times, which is just incredible. Thank you. Um, so well done to you. Can you touch on a few things throughout your career that you know have been key milestones? Sure. Um, so I can just give a quick background of my career or my life a bit in career. So if I go back in university, I studied applied math, which was really fun and amazing. And I love math and I love being able to apply problem solving to real life and to work. I first worked at McKinsey, which gave me a really amazing background in understanding and thinking through how do you problem solve real business experience or businesses. And I got the business experience of working with clients and really thinking through which business models make sense and how to create a business plan for growth or business plan for different types of markets. And that experience at McKinsey was a really important one for bridging my applied math background with the real world of business. And then I went to Harvard undergrad, and then I went to Harvard Business School. I went back to Harvard in part because I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to actually stay in business and finance. And I thought there was a small chance I'd go get a PhD. So if I went to Harvard, it would be easier for me having been an undergrad there to switch over and get a PhD. But actually quickly on uh, in my HBS career, I realized that it was a lot of fun being an MBA and the PhD students were not having such fun. And I thought that I would stay in my current track. Um, So there was part of me that always thought I'd be an academic, partly because my mother's a statistics professor. And I just always saw myself doing that. Even in high school, actually, I did research in an astrophysics lab. So 
it's sort of a little bit of an aside, but I always thought of myself as a bit more of an academic. But nonetheless, HBS was really fun and um, definitely decided to take a different path. And I wound up going into sales and trading, which was amazing because uh, I worked in fixed income derivatives and it enabled me to really apply actual math skills with the more understanding of the markets, the interdynamic of people, businesses. And I loved the trading floor, the energy, and I had an amazing experience working at Morgan Stanley, Deutsche Bank, and Citibank, and having fabulous people to work for. I worked with amazing people, and I had amazing experiences. And again, it was this amazing combination of markets, math, and high energy of finance. Yeah. And from City, I joined BlackRock, and my role... At City at the time was I was the head of fixed income derivatives business, and we thought about how we could help corporate clients hedge their various risks around the world from the perspective of currency risk or interest rate risk or other kinds of financing risks, if you will, and using derivatives to do so. And coming to BlackRock to be the global head of product for the ETF and index business On one hand, it seems quite different, but in reality, actually, there's a lot of similarity where it's really thinking globally of how do we help our clients, in this case, build better portfolios? How do we understand markets and the dynamics and the interplays of markets around the world to build the best products for our clients? And how do we have a solutions mindset using all of these products to, again, solve the greatest and most important problems of our clients through financial well-being and, again, better portfolios? So it has many similarities. Of course, there's a little bit less math sometimes, but actually our bond portfolios and our fixed income business actually has a lot of math, which is, again, quite exciting. And so I've been here at BlackRock for almost five years, and it's amazing. So I feel really fortunate to be here. And I feel like the one theme is that I've always had fabulous bosses and have had amazing experiences working with people. So I've been really lucky. Uh, and I think that my you know, the ability to have this designated as an influential woman is very much the positions I'm in and the people around me and the firms I'm at that enable me to have influence and sort of drive better markets and you know, enable all of us to, to have sort of better, you know, better financial markets for, for the future. So you know, I feel very fortunate. And again, I love what I'm doing. So it's pretty cool. Well, yeah, congratulations, Carolyn. I'm sure it's just observed. And um, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you for taking us through fixed income ETFs and the, a variety of other products at BlackRock. In particular, the, the innovations in some of those ETFs is, is becoming clear how um, sophisticated and interesting some of these products are. And I'm sure a lot of people are unaware of, of just the, you know, the sheer scale of different things that you offer. So thank you very much. And I would just wanted to finish by asking you, is there somewhere people can follow a BlackRock content related to your ETFs or the market activity, things like this? Well, we do have a BlackRock in feed. We do have Instagram. I think we have TikTok as well. And of course, iShares.com, where I pointed to people before, is uh, a real wealth of knowledge. So those are the main areas to focus and and follow. Brilliant. I'll put all of those in the uh, show notes so people can find those there. And is there anything else you'd like to say before we wrap it up? No, this was terrific. I've really enjoyed sharing uh, our platform, some of the cool things we're doing and innovation and our mission to be champions of investor progress. Thanks, Karen. Thank you very much for being on the show. 
Thank you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Just a quick note before we sign off. If you're looking for an easily digestible daily update on the markets, this might be of interest. Opto Updates is our short newsletter sent every day during the trading week, giving you a bulleted list of the top seven stories from the global stock markets. We've done the hard work for you, highlighting relevant opportunities and trends. And in addition, we'll also keep you notified of any new products, stock reports, or webinars from the Opto world. If you're interested, sign up using the link in the show notes. And thanks also to CoFruition for consulting on and producing the show. Until next time. CoFruition.